0: It's page 1,153. So it's 1 Corinthians chapter 12, starting at verse 12. Just as a body, though one, has many parts... But all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one Spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. And we were all given the one Spirit to drink. And so the body is not made up of one part, but of many Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? The head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honourable, we treat with special honour. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now, you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second, prophets, third, teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of all different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles, are all apostles? are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have the gift of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? Now, eagerly desire the greater gifts, and yet I will show you the most excellent way. May God bless his word to us this morning. Before Phil comes to preach to us, we're going to sing. Realise the cable is not as long as I am. So,
1: not quite sure what to put in there. Shall we uh, pray as we come to look at God's words? Father God, we thank you that you have given us uh, your words, and that you have given us each other, that in Christ we are one body. I pray this morning that you'll show us uh, yourself and teach us to love and care for each, and each other as your body. In Jesus' name, amen. And let me ask you, what does a healthy church needs, need to be a healthy church? What does a healthy church need to be a healthy church? I've got a little thing to help us think about this as we're thinking about the body. One of my favorite toys growing up, I never had one, it was very sad, but it was Mr. Potato Head's. Now, here is a healthy Mr. Potato Head. I hope you agree. All the uh, arms and things are in the right place. But what if the church was Mr. Potato Head? What if the church was Mr. Potato Head? Where would you put all the different parts? What parts would you put? Would you give them a hat, eyes, different things? What makes up a healthy church? What makes up a body for it to be healthy? Because I guess the problem is sometimes we might feel... Like, we have no role to play in the church. Maybe we think, well, I can clearly see they need a, a band, but if you're anything like me with very little musical talent, that's a problem, isn't it? And say, so, oh, I just wish I was like them, and then I'd have a role to play. Or maybe say, oh, I wish I could speak or, or read well. What parts make up the body? What gifts are important? It can be very easy, can't it, to to feel like we don't have a role to play perhaps, or we have little to offer, or the things that we are, the, the character and the gifts that God's given us, really maybe aren't as valuable as others. We're in this series looking at the gifts of the Spirit, and the thing I want us to see today is this. You are part of the body of Christ through the Spirit, so play your part and love each other. So to each of us, I'm saying, you are part of the body of Christ through the Spirit. So play your part and love each other. This Corinthian church that Paul is writing to, they're a mess. John said this last week. They're a mess in so many ways. They have these kind of elite group who kind of think they're the bee's knees. And they're kind of saying, oh, yes, I follow Paul or I follow Apollos or oh these certain gifts, these are the ones to have, maybe the gift of tongues or the gifts of prophecy. They are the things that we need. And they're kind of using them to push themselves forward and build their own egos. Meanwhile, others are being excluded and pushed aside, especially the weak and the poor. In fact, in chapter 11, uh, there's kind of this matter of the Lord's Supper. And what's happening is uh, kind of the wealthy, they're kind of eating together, enjoying the Lord's Supper, while the poor are out in the fields working, so that when they come, there's nothing left for them. There's a division in the church. And so there's this question then, is what is valuable? Who is worthy of honor? Who is important in the church? And what Paul says is this. Have a look at verse 12 again. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we are all baptized by one Spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slaves or free, And we're all given the one spirit to drink. And so the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Are there some people who are kind of just on the outside and some on the inside? No, Paul says. He says this. If Jesus is Lord, then you are part of the body. If Jesus is your Lord, then you are part of Christ's body. Last week, kind of John showed us, we were thinking about what does it mean to be spiritual? What is the kind of marker of being a spiritual person? And what we saw at the start of chapter 12 is this, it's that Jesus is Lord. That's back in verse 3. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus, be cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. If you are here and in your heart you say, Jesus is Lord, then you are a spiritual person. But let's push this further then to think about the church body as a whole. What does it mean to be a, a valued member of the church? Verse 13 is to be baptized in one spirit. Now, we have to be careful with these verses. There are some that kind of talk about this and say, well, does that mean there's two baptisms? You get baptized in water, and then you're baptized in the Spirit, and then that's when you get the really good stuff, maybe? But that kind of goes against everything Paul seems to be saying. No, what he's saying is, if Jesus is Lord, then something has happened in you. The Spirit is at work in you to produce that in you, that declaration of faith. You've been baptised in the Spirit. That is the marker of the Christian life. It's that by the work of the Spirit, you have died to your old self, your old way of living, and have been born again into the life that only the Spirit can bring. So that you then say, Jesus is Lord. If Jesus is Lord, whether you like it or not, you are part of the body. Full stop. If Jesus is your Lord, you are part of his body, the church. So if you hold on to one thing today, if you go to sleep after this, please don't. But hold to that. If you are, if you are here and, you're, and your Lord is Jesus, then you are a valued member of this church, of his church. You know, as we gather on a Sunday, we're not just a group of random people. We're not a business or just a gathering. We are a body. Just think about that for a moment. It changes the way we think about things, doesn't it? If we are a body, not just a business or a gathering, it changes the way we think about each other. And so Paul basically has kind of something to say to kind of these two groups of people in Corinth. You've got these guys who think they're the bee's knees, and you've got the rest who kind of feel like they're excluded. Maybe they have nothing to offer. And Paul wants to say something to both of these groups, really. And the first he's talking to those maybe feeling on the outside and actually to them it's a message of diversity. Just have a look at verse 15. Now if the foot should say because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. Now here is our healthy Mr. Potato Head, a healthy-looking body. But what Paul is saying, if, if, we, if we start to think like we have to be the same as everyone else, if we start to think in this way that only certain gifts are valuable, and therefore, are actually, the gifts I have aren't valuable, so I just need to be, try and be like them, well, we end up more like this. This is me trying to recreate Paul's illustration. It's weird, isn't it? It's weird. The point is, it's not a healthy body. This is not, if you think this is a healthy body, you need some biology lessons, maybe. It's weird, isn't it? And what Paul is saying is that we need to celebrate our diversity. He's saying this, the church needs you. That's my Lord Kitchener, opportunity to use him. The church needs you. If Jesus is Lord, the church needs you. Just have a look at verse 17. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? Just imagine the whole body is one great eye. It can see everything in the world and can enjoy none of it. It wouldn't function. Where would the body be? Nowhere. If the whole body were an ear, you'd hear everything. But again, be able to do nothing about it. Where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body. Everyone, just as he wanted them to be. The church needs you. This is a message of diversity. As we look at Crossway Church and all who are part of it, we have to say this. God knows what he is doing. He didn't kind of save you and bring you in and go, Oh, that was a mistake. Maybe sometimes we think of ourselves a bit like a kind of an unwanted dog. Anyone ever th- felt themselves like an unwanted dog? No, okay, that's fine. Just think for a moment. Imagine a sheep, a, a shepherd has a great dream and he goes to a breeder and buys himself a border collie. the cute, I know. And he's so excited because he's like, look, I have this dream. I'm going to go and work the fields with my lovely border collie. And he's going to uh, help me round the sheep together. And it's going to make my day so much easier. And he has dreams of entering the world championships and winning these awards and then going home with his border collie and curling up on the sofa. Such companionship. But then a few weeks later, the breeder gets a knock on the door. And, the, and there is this man with his dog and says, I'm sorry, it's not working out. And the breed says, What's wrong? And he says, Well, this dog is nothing like I imagined. He doesn't round up the sheep. In fact, he doesn't listen to me at all. And he's scared of sheep. What use is that? He just goes and hides in the corner of the field and the sheep are everywhere. And I thought, That's okay, I'll have him as a pet. But when I took him home, he growled at me, ran to the corner. I left him in the house. I came back, he chewed the sofa. The place is trashed. He just wasn't what I was expecting. Can I please give him back? you know what maybe we maybe in church can think of ourselves as kind of an unwanted party we're here but we haven't got much to offer in fact actually often when we're there we just bring a bit of mess and it seems to be a lot of effort for people to have us as part of the church but listen to this god knows what he is doing he did he made no mistake in saving you and bringing you into the church that's what we're told aren't we It's God that puts the body together and he knows what he's doing. Jesus knew who you were. And he loved you anyway. He knew who I was and he loved me anyway. And he has started a good work in us that he will see to completion. And if he wanted us all to be the same, then we would have all been the same. But no, he wants us in our differences as a diverse group to bring us together as one, as believers, to bring glory to his name. Which means this, if you're saying Jesus Lord's, and you're part of the church, you are a deeply valuable member of Crossway or whichever church you're part of. If you're a believer, you're a deeply valuable member of the body of Christ. Maybe that's what you need to hear today. You're a deeply valuable member of the body of Christ. The Jesus who loved you and gave himself up for you made no mistake. The church needs you. We are a body that's fearfully and wonderfully made, who God has brought together from all our different backgrounds. And just to say, if you're here and you're someone who's looking for kind of value and purpose and worth in life, And this is kind of re-emphasizing what John said last week. If you're looking for those things and you're searching, the only place you'll find those things is in a right relationship with Jesus. The one who made you, who knows you inside out, and knows the purpose for which he made you. So find it in him. So for those on the outside, Paul says, Look, the church needs you. You are a valuable part of the body of Christ. And then there's this other group. These kind of people who maybe they feel like they're the bee's knees, pushing for status, dismissing maybe those uh, slightly feeling on the outside. Just have a look at verse 21. I'll get rid of the picture of the dogs. It's a bit distracting, isn't it? And Paul says to them, You need the church. Just look at verse 21. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say, to the feet, I don't need you. And this is a message of, un- of unity, isn't it? And unity is not just about agreement, but an equal concern for each other. And so he, the example he uses, the body language, is really helpful, isn't it? Because it's an obvious thing that I cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. If you cut off your hands, you're seriously disadvantaged. And if you, uh, the head cannot. The head cannot cut off the feet and, you know, does all this thinking but cannot go anywhere. And I think we need to hear this because we live in kind of a world that places certain emphasis on certain people, often those who are kind of the, the pushy and the outgoing. And certain people get all the recognition. This is how it works in companies often. While others are just kind of dismissed and pushed aside, but what Paul is saying is if we do that in the church, not only is it disobedient, but it's damaging to the body of Christ. It's damaging. If the head says to the feet, I don't need you, that is damaging. Not just the body as a whole, but the heads. And so we need to hear this danger that the church carries the values of these big companies where we kind of look for those who are outgoing or pushy or kind of certain characters and they get all the recognition while others are overlooked It can creep in easily, can't it? Those in the upfront roles kind of get all the praise, all the thanks. And yet there are so many in the background, busy working away, who get overlooked, not just in recognition, but in care. But friends, we are not a business. We are a body. We are a body. A body that's been put together by God. A body in the Lord Jesus In the spirits. Verse 22, on the contrary those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable and the parts that we think are less honorable we treat with special honor and the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty while our presentable parts need no special treatments. In our society, who gets overlooked? It's often the the weakest, isn't it? The most vulnerable. And yet Paul is basically saying, they are the heartbeat of the church. They need special care and honor. On my more morbid days, I think, what if I lost a leg in some accident while I'm playing rugby, so badly damaged? That is quite a terrifying thought for a rugby player. Because you'd be pretty disadvantaged on a rugby field. But I'll tell you what is, is far more serious than losing a leg. Is losing my lungs. I cannot survive without them. And here, he's talking about the weaker parts of the body. And actually, I think of our limbs, they may feel weak, but they're not as vulnerable as the organs on the inside, which is why the organs are on the inside, not on the outside. Our heart, our lungs, our brain, they are easily damaged. And yet, without them, the body cannot survive. They are indispensable. I think of that member of this church who's in their 90s, housebound, but fervently prayerful each day. They're the heartbeat of the church as they depend on God in everything. I think of the guy who would never be seen in a million years up front But in the everyday, after the service, during the week, breathes the word of God into people's lives. Just in the everyday conversations. Or the elderly couple who have kind of slowed down due to age and ill health. But guess who everyone goes to for wisdom? The wisdom given to them by God over many years of faith. See, Paul says, far from uh, kind of... Dismissive, Paul says those weaker members are indispensable. And he says a similar thing, doesn't he, with kind of uh, those who are less honorable and those who are uh, less uh, presentable. And, you know, we could try and imagine what body parts he's talking about, but I'm going to help us think about feet. And I'm sorry if you have a feet phobia. This will only be up for 20 seconds and it's gone. So you can close your eyes 20 seconds. But think about feet. Now, feet are not honorable parts of the body. They're not presentable unless you've got particularly beautiful feet, maybe. But you know I mean? You don't, you're not attracted to someone's feet, first of all, are you? They're not honourable or presentable parts of the body, and yet, they are essential. They are essential. They have to be looked after. We cannot go anywhere without them. In wartime, uh, uh, soldiers in the trenches, they were told to take particular care of their feet. Why? Because after marching in uh, bad conditions in the trenches full of water their boots would get wet, their their socks would get wet and actually there's a great danger their feet could be um, severely damaged. And it would be uh, serious, even life-threatening. And so they would have to take special care of their feet. Socks off to dry, boots to dry. Our feet are not honorable or presentable but they need special honor, protection and care, don't they? So too with the body of Christ not everyone is supposed to be up the front but everyone has a vital role and should be honored and cared for rightly Let's just look at the gifts Paul talks about because I find verse 28. I love this verse because it's a bit surprising in some ways. Verse 28. And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second prophets, and third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing. And I kind of think the guys who think that the bees' knees are going, yeah, that's right, obviously, yeah. I would have put tongs up there, but that's okay. Carry on, Paul. But then look what he says is the very next thing. What is it? Helping. Isn't that really interesting? Helping. Guidance. Would you have put those in there? Helping and guidance. Helping. Guidance. Helping is a gift given by God through the Spirit That's essential for the health and the growth of the church. For this body on mission. And there's a whole range, as I think about Crossway, there's a whole range of uh, stuff in the life of Crossway that would come under helping or administration. All kinds of ways so many people contribute, contribute to the life and the mission of the church. So just think about a Sunday morning... You drive or you walk to church, and what's the first thing you see? You see some signs up on the, on the on the wall that tell you we're here, that's been designed and printed by someone. And then you arrive, and there are some gates that have been maintained and painted, and your grounds that are tidy, and, and uh, flower beds that have beautiful flowers in, and the weeds have been taken out, and the rubbish has been cleared, and the lawn has been mowed, so that you know the place is open. And you feel welcome and straight away you say, thank you, God, for your creation. You come down and you walk through a door which has been recently repaired. You're welcomed by someone with a smiling face. And it gives you a notice sheet so that you know you are welcome here. This is a place for you. You walk into a warm building most of the time. You enter a room where the seats have been laid out so as many people can fit as possible. You see people setting up equipment that you don't even pretend to understand. But you know that it helps the service so you can hear everything. So you're facilitated to worship God. You look upon a screen and your, your song words are projected. And as you uh, enjoy the Lord's Supper, it's brought to you so you can reflect on God's goodness. And then the preacher preaches for a shortish amount of time through a microphone so you can hear. But all of this you suddenly realize that you can listen to because your kids are being cared for and looked after and calmed and managed and taught. And after church, tearful, moved by your mourning, someone sits next to you and consoles you and guides you and prays with you while someone else brings you a cup of tea that's been made for you. Do you see... That's just a Sunday morning. Gifts of helping. That's not even to mention all the stuff that goes on in the week, not just in church formal stuff, but in the informal lives of believers, all the helping they do that you do. These are the ways that God has put us together as a diverse group of people gifted in different kinds of ways so that we function well. But often what we see on a Sunday morning is just a smooth-ish operation, isn't it? I think about, I just like animals today, here we go. I think about a duck going across the water. It's a nice sight, isn't it? It's gliding across, it's almost kind of magical. And yet, what's happening underneath the surface? (laughs) Crazy, crazy feet. Busy working away steering and powering the duck along—that That is a good picture of the body, isn't it? For everything you see, there is so much going on behind the scenes to make it happen. Everyone has a vital role. What is Paul saying? Well, I hope you've got it by now, but it's this, we need each other. We need each other. And so it's so important we have equal concern for each other, that's what Paul says. But especially for those who are weaker or less honourable or less presentable because they are the ones that are so easily overlooked. And they need our love and care and protection to give honour to those that would lack it. We should care for one another in such a way that if one part suffers, we all suffer. We all feel it. We should care for each other in such a way that if one part is honored, we should all rejoice. And I'm thankful to say that is so much of what I see at Crossway, but let's do it all the more. How beautiful it is to see the Christian community function this way, great unity with such diversity. How powerful that is in the world. But the question is then, how can we maintain this kind of unity while being so different? How can we keep that going? Because that's quite a difficult thing. How can we keep caring for each other? How do we avoid getting kind of the preacher's corner and the, the worship group corner and the, the, the tea and coffee crew and having all our little groups? And We might care for our little groups, but actually we're competing to make sure our area is looked after. How can we uh, enjoy unity while being so different and keep working together? Well, there's two things in this passage I think God has given us and they are order and love. The first is order. Verse 28 is interesting, isn't it? Because it almost seems to go a say, and I wonder, uh, I wonder whether Paul's kind of playing to his audience a bit, but it almost seems to go against what he's been saying when he says, First comes, let me find it, sorry. And God has placed in the church, first of all apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, then of helping and of guidance and of different kinds of tongues. But it, when, he's, when he's talking here, he's not talking about status. He's not saying, these guys are the most important and these and these and these. What he's saying is there is an order to the way the church works. And what seems to be the case is the first three are a priority on the clear communication of the word of God. And the reason that is... Is because how do we grow? How do we know the context in which to use our gifts rightly so that we're serving the body and not just ourselves? Well, it's an obedience to Jesus, isn't it? And so as we hear from his word, as we're taught, we know how we can best flourish as a body, as different as we are, how we can use our gifts for each other. So I think that's why he kind of prioritizes the clear communication of the word. It's nothing about status. It's just about the need to put the word central so that there is an order. Which interestingly is why he puts tongs last in this, little, this, lift on this, occasion, this list on this occasion. The Corinthians would have been like, oh, big on tongs. That is a, surely a major one. But actually Paul puts it, it's not, it's not an important gift. But because it needs an interpreter, Paul kind of moves it down and says, look, actually... Center around God's word being taught so that you, in the right context, can know how to make the most of the gifts that God has given you in obedience to him for the, uh, the growth of the church, his body. And that way, our individual gifts will be prevented from causing chaos. Order. Secondly, love. Love. Verse 29, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all have gifts of healing, do all speak in tongues, do all interpret, now eagerly desire the greatest gift. And I love this because I can just imagine those guys who kind of are the the bee's knees guys, they're thinking, yes Paul, right, what are the greatest gifts, yeah tell me, (laughs) yes we want the greatest gifts. Well, look what he says next. And yet, I will show you the most excellent way. So they're going, oh, yes, right. Eagerly the great desire gifts. And they're thinking, right, this is the gifts that I think we should have. What does Paul say next? Eagly, let me show you what the greatest gift is. Spoiler alert for next week. Love. Love. Love underpins the whole letter. What is the answer to kind of division and this elitist attitude? It's love. He says, you want to have the greatest gift? Great. Then love each other. Love your brothers and sisters as members of your own body, the body of Christ. We need to hear this. I think especially uh, often those up front, but everyone needs to hear this. The preachers, the teachers, the prophets, what is their role to bring the word of God? But it's not for our status or reputation. It's out of love so that the body of Christ might be built up. The worship team, it's not because we love to hear their voices, though we do, but it's so that we may worship God in song. Those who serve tea and coffee, it's not just a rota, but an act of love to enable us to enjoy fellowship. Those uh, kind of welcoming you at the door, they're not just giving out notice sheets, but they are welcoming you, preparing you to enjoy uh, fellowship and worship together. It's love. Those on PAE and visuals, they're not just kind of bringing the church up to the, the modern age, but they are facilitating ordered gatherings where we can worship God as one. It's love. Those in creche are not just managing babies, they're allowing you to uh, sit under the word as parents in a calmer environment. It's love. You see, such diversity, but bound together in the love of Christ as his body. And so as we finish, I've just got two little challenges for you. Maybe today, maybe this week. And the first is this. Let your love lead you to serve. Let your love lead you to serve. Let your love of Christ and love for his body drive and empower and impassion you to to serve. Now, for some of you, for many of you, you're doing so much already. I'm not asking you to do more, but let his love continue to drive you. And for those of you maybe feeling like you're struggling to know where to fit in, struggling to know what is the God, gifts that I have, well, ask God to show you the gifts that he has given you because you are a valued member of the church and he, he lovingly has given you a role to play. So ask him to show you what it is. And you might be surprised, you might find you're doing far more already than you realised. Whether formally or informally. Let your love lead you to serve. And secondly, let your love lead you to care. Do we give time to say thank you to those serving in so many different areas, but especially those who you never see behind the scenes? To those in creche who allow you to hear a sermon? Do we say thank you? To those who welcome us and prepare us to worship? To the visuals and PA team? And I always kind of have a sympathy for these guys because you only ever notice when things go wrong. And it's usually not their fault. Do we say thank you? Recognizing God has gifted them in that way for the body. And do we look out for each other? Do we care? about each other well. And I want to say yes, we do. I'm so thankful. As David said earlier, we are a church that cares for each other well. But let's especially look for those who we wouldn't maybe notice usually. I often think the people up front are always well cared for because they're always visible. But those behind the scenes can easily kind of be struggling and in silence. Let's be caring for each other one. Let's be looking out for each other. Sometimes a simple word of encouragement or a listening ear or some time of prayer can go a long way, can't it? Let your love lead you to serve. Let your love lead you to care. Friends, we are a body united in the Lord Jesus. Let's celebrate our differences by honoring and caring for each other well, for the glory of his name. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you that you have made us as one body, baptized in the Spirit, You have brought us together from all kinds of backgrounds, with all kinds of gifts and abilities and characters. But we are one body in the Lord Jesus. We thank you for our diversity this morning. We thank you that at Crossway we can see uh, so much that you are doing through so many. And we pray, Lord, that we will care for each other well. You will help us to look out for those, especially who can be overlooked, those behind the scenes. Pray that you help us make, make us a body that has equal concern for one another. And may we use our gifts to build each other up to the glory of your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.